DW Africa Link. The time is 5 p.m. in the studios of DW here in Bonn, Germany, and this is Africa Link. I'm Isaac Mugabe, your host today. And I'm Josie Mahachi. would like to invite you to comment on the show and sharing it with your family and friends on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We also appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. And coming up, all night negotiations in Dubai result in an agreement to transition away from fossil fuels. We hear from a representative from Africa. For the very first time, it has been recognized that the time for fossil fuel is finished. Africa alone needs about 60 to 80 billion a year. However, a climate activist told DW that say the world is running out of time and the COP28 deal shouldn't become another smokescreen. It requires commitment from the producers of fossil fuel. If we don't approach this issue with all the seriousness, then it's going to be business as usual. We'll be back with details about the COP28 climate deal shortly after the World News in Brief. DW News. Hello, I am Okeri Nkushinado. Nearly 200 nations meeting in Dubai this Wednesday approved a first-ever call for the world to transition away from fossil fuels, the top culprit of climate change behind a planetary crisis. After 13 days of talks in a country built on oil wealth, the Emirati leadership of the COP28 summit banged a gavel to signal the world had reached consensus. COP28 President Sultan Ahmad Al-Jabbar has hailed the historic deal to transition away from fossil fuels. An agreement is only as good as its implementation. We are what we do, not what we say. We must take the steps necessary to turn this agreement into tangible actions. However, some African countries like Uganda said they need international support for the transition. More on the COP28 deal coming up on Africa Link. A Sierra Leone court has ordered the arrest of Samura Kamara, opposition leader and runner-up in last June presidential election, on corruption charges. The court stated that Kamara was allegedly involved in a transaction of sale of shares held by Sierra Leone government in a mining company in 2012. At the time of the alleged offence, Kamara was finance minister under the former president Ernest Bai Koroma. Kamara came second in the June 2023 presidential election won by Julius Mada Bio. The World Bank has approved $137 million of budget support for Malawi with an immediate disbursement of $80 million. The World Bank said the funding will help the Southern African country enhance the fiscal sustainability, stimulate private sector-led growth and increase resilience to shocks. The support comes as Malawi battles chronic foreign currency shortages that have led to a lack of fuel, medicines and fertilizers in the country. African League News comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster, DW. Israel is coming under pressure from key allies over its war in Gaza. After months of staunch support, U.S. President Joe Biden criticized Israel for indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. A vote by the U.N. General Assembly also indicates Israel's growing isolation on the world stage. Member nations overwhelmingly backed a resolution demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza, 
but Israel insists it will persist with its air and ground offensive against Hamas, with its classified as a which is classified as a terror group by the US, EU and other countries. And finally, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has said he backs opening official talks for Ukraine to join the European Union. In a speech to Parliament, he said helping Ukraine was a priority for Germany. The comments come ahead of the EU summit where members will be debate funding for Ukraine and membership. Hungary has openly opposed the plan. It says admitting the war-ravaged country would have an unforeseeable consequences. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says Hungary has no reason to block Ukraine's EU membership. That's the latest on Africa Link. I am Okeri Kushinato. You are listening to Africa Link straight from our studios here in Bonn, Germany, that is Chile. My name is Isaac Mugabe. And my name is Josie Mahachi. Many thanks to all of you tuning in through all our partner stations across the continent and on our Facebook page, DW Africa. And by the way, Josie, before we delve into the program, it's important that we tell the listeners out there that they can also listen to the show through Spotify. Through right? Spotify, yes, definitely. You can listen to every episode of Africa Link on Spotify. Well said. To begin with, a deal has been reached at the Global Climate Conference, COP28, in Dubai. After all-night talks, a new text was released early this morning and approved just a few hours later. The agreement calls for, in quotes, transitioning away from all fossil fuels, including coal, oil and gas. Several observers called that wedding in quotes historic. Africa is responsible for only a fraction of global greenhouse gas emissions, but it suffers disproportionately from climate change. So what has been the reaction from the continent? Isaac Lechi in Accra has more. In this classroom in northern Ghana, these kids are learning about the climate and the role they can play to make the planet safer to sustain life. This is laudable, but to reverse the damage the planet is currently experiencing through human activities, major political decisions are needed. Far away at the COP28 climate summit in Dubai, representatives from nearly 200 countries have now agreed to begin reducing global consumption of fossil fuels. This is the first time such a deal is being struck, calling on all countries to move away from using fossil fuels, but not to phase them out, something many governments wanted. Fossil fuels include coal, petroleum and natural gas. When burned, they release large amounts of carbon dioxide, a greenhouse gas into the air that traps heat in the atmosphere, causing global warming. Climate activist Joel Dyke said the world is running out of time and the COP28 deal shouldn't become another facade. It requires commitment from the producers of fossil fuel. If we don't approach this issue with all the seriousness, then it's going to be business as usual again. Yeah, so commitment is required from especially the big players in order to make sure that this commitment is followed to the letter. Transitioning away from fossil fuels should help to achieve net zero by 2050, but that would mean increasing the renewable energy options by 2030. And Africa can't be left behind. On the streets of Accra, 
there are already electric cars and bikes being adopted by Ghanaians like Seth Frimpong, who consider it more environmentally friendly. It's very cool. It's very smooth as well. Um, it doesn't have any engine. It runs very smooth. And uh, you don't you, you even hear any sound when you are driving it as uh, to compare with the petrol cars or the diesel cars. Uh, this is very cool and um, it's very friendly with the environment as well because um, there is no exhaust pipe that the smoke will be coming out. Young innovator George Apia is building these electric cars and bikes. He believes getting away from fossil fuels for renewables in transportation has many benefits. Africa stands on the chance of being the only continent to probably develop without polluting. Um, so if we can take care part of the transportation part, then we can be on that pathway for sustainable transportation. The COP28 climate summit may give some glimmer of hope of the world paying attention to the science to save the planet. But the coming months and years would determine how serious many countries are in taking real action. Thanks, Isaac Kalechi, for that report straight from Accra. And so you've heard in that report, many Africans are concerned about climate change since Africa releases less carbon emissions. And also, Jesse, in that report, we had someone say that unless what was said is put into action, it mm-hmm. could be another kind of facade or smokescreen or talk as usual. Mm-hmm. I do remember very well the COP23 that took place in Bonn. I was there. I kind of listened to some of the deliberations. It went on. Same talk, different protagonists, but hopefully transitioning away will be seriously transitioning away. Now, Sena Aluka, he's the International Director of Young Volunteers for the Environment in Lome, told me more about the resolutions at the COP28. The decision that I consider to be historical decision, uh, that for the very first time, it has been recognized after about three decades of negotiation that the time for fossil fuel is finished. We need to transition away from fossil fuel production and move to a new era powered by the sun, powered by the wind, powered by the power of rivers. These are the renewable energy that we need to create a more prosperous, just and fair world. When you have 200 nations, countries with different economic and social interests Coming together, we can also say and acknowledge that at least humanity has won far away from violence in the Congo, in Sudan, and Israel. We are showing solidarity with all those people by uh, making sure that in the test, the final test adopted here, mention is made about climate justice. Before this major breakthrough, African leaders had expressed their frustrations with the industrialized countries' inability to honor their commitments, I mean, on providing adequate climate financing. So did you get the climate financing that you have always pushed for? Absolutely not. No, we did not. Africa alone needs about 60 to 80 billion a year just for disaster management. 500 million US dollars is far away from the 100 billion that African group is calling for. And if you take all the needs of Africa in terms of adapting to climate change, in terms of transitioning to a new uh, energy era, in terms of managing disasters, you are talking about trillions. Okay. 
now that you didn't get what you wanted in terms of financing, what next for Africa in mitigating effects of climate change? And to me, it seems like you didn't even get peanuts, but Africa is now left alone in dealing with climate issues. <laughs> we got even nothing. Uh, well, there, there's a lot to, to be done. Uh, what is sure is that we have two important cops uh, in the pipeline. The first one in November 2024 will be in Bakwin, Azerbaijan, in the city, the black city, uh, another city that is uh, a country that's addicted, addicted to oil. Unfortunately, we are living an oil-addicted country, uh, UAE, to another one, Azerbaijan. Uh, but the Azerbaijan COP, the COP29, is considered to be the COP of finance, because that's where we are going to nail all the details around the new quantified financial target. So Africa, now we're going back with a mixed sense, uh, half happy, half confused, uh, but Africa to be happy that at least some of its point were concentrated like in the negotiations around agriculture. Africa's point was strong there so that negotiations almost collapsed because Africa position uh, was very, very strong and well, well presented. Um, apart from that, Africa uh, was back home. Let's make sure that it speaks, it keeps the, the same Ubuntu spirit, speaking with one voice. Yes, indeed. Speaking in one voice or in the, with the Ubuntu spirit, that was Sena Aluka, International Director of Young Volunteers for the Environment in Lome. Josie, we have some comments you posted on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, how difficult it will be, I mean, to phase out the fossil fuels, that's oil, gas and coal. Yes, and this conversation has been going on for years. And Derek Mugema says it will indeed be difficult because nuclear energy should be substituted. But the superpower countries do seriously worry much about how countries across the globe really use it for energy only or even for weapons. And Albert Quentin Kofi says, costly to invent new machinery independent of fossil fuels. And by the way, Josie, let's point out that they said transitioning away, which is also very crucial. Mm. Now, Germany's foreign minister said it's a landmark negotiations that will, will begin the phase out of fossil fuels. But it's not something that the European Union wanted. Why is she saying this? She says it has to be an enormous decision and negotiators or people, political powers have to be mindful of coordinates really affected mm-hmm. grossly. That is Africa, Asia and Latin America. Tell us what you think about this particular topic on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Remember to also catch us on Spotify. All our episodes of Africa Link are right there. Remember, this is Africa Link. It's a quarter past the hour. Thanks for sticking with us on DW's Africa Link program. Once again, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And mine is Josie Mahachi. Connect with us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We also appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. Remember, you can also find us on Spotify. That is DW Africa Link. Yes, indeed, Josie. Coming up in the next few minutes, we'll go to South Africa where refugees and asylum seekers are jubilating after a constitutional judgment to ban their deportation. 
the asylum seeker must only be valid for six months. So that elongated delay where people keep on asylum seeker documents for up to 10, 20 years is unlawful to start with. And it is the one that causes people to default. We will be back to that good story. For now, we head to Nigeria, where citizens in the north recently walked to yet another agonizing and deadly terror by the army. That was the 10th such case within two years where a misguided missile, missile targeting bandits and terrorists accidentally strike civilians. Well, such mistakes have made many to question the competence of Nigeria's military after losing loved ones to negligence. DW's Mohamed Alamin went to find out why Nigeria's army is making such deadly mistakes and if anything is being done to prevent them. Since Nigeria commenced its war against terrorists and bandits in the northern parts of the country, hundreds of civilians, including children, have been sent to early graves. Recent of all is the Kaduna village bombing Mishap, where over 90 villagers in Tudumbiri of a Gabi local government area of Kaduna state were killed after a drone of the Nigerian army bombed a gathering of residents who were celebrating Maulut. The military has since owned up to the bombing. A previous tally from media reports has shown that at least nine incidents of miscalculated airstrike between September 2021 and January 2023. Niger, Yobi, Zampara, Borno, Nasarawa, Kaduna and Katsina are the worst hit states in the country. Security experts believe that lack of proper training and good intelligence is behind this costly mistake by the Nigerian military. Major Shaibu Bashir Galma is a retired Nigerian military personnel. Always what we blame is the lack of good, reliable intelligence report. Any intelligence report that is not subjected to rigorous Confirmation or reconfirmation, it is not considered to be reliable and should not be used for any type of military operation. For Professor Lowell Jafar Tahir, a political analyst from Yobe State University, something needs to be done urgently to avoid future occurrences. Those in charge of technical know-how of the army technology should be relieved. All those that are responsible for this kind of careless accident shall be brought to book. And then if they are found guilty, they shall be punished. For how long shall we continue to be sacrificing innocent lives in the name of accident, in the name of mistake, in the name of human error? A serious investigation is needed in this calamity. This is not the first time, this is not the second time, and this is not the third time. It is a disgrace in the eyes of the whole that Nigeria army is doing this kind of things. The Nigeria's chief of army staff, Lieutenant General Taurid Lagbaja, who apologized to the relatives of the victims of the recent accidental bombing in Kaduna, promised to take serious action to prevent future occurrences. We will do everything possible to prevent such an occurrence happening again in the conduct of our operations going forward. The community has been uh, enjoined to view what happened as just a a temporary setback. It was not uh, intended. It's regrettable. It's unfortunate. The question everybody is asking, for how long will Nigerian military continue to kill innocent civilians with avoidable and costly errors while hiding under the banner of actionable intelligence or pursuing the terrorists? Mohamed Alamin reporting from northern Nigeria from the west to the south. Asylum seekers and refugees in South Africa are celebrating after the Constitutional Court ruled that they can no longer be arrested and deported for simply not renewing their permits in time.
The current refugee law states that those who fail to renew their permits within 30 days are automatically considered to have abandoned their application and should face deportation immediately. Now, thousands of refugees and asylum seekers in South Africa are working with expired permits due to several reasons, largely not within their control. To give us more on the good news is our correspondent Tuso Kumalo reporting from Johannesburg. Delivering a unanimous judgment of the Constitutional Court Tuesday, Justice Stephen Machietti described the refugees and asylum seekers as a vulnerable group whose plight calls for compassion. He said the section of the Refugee Act that deemed refugees and asylum seekers to have abandoned their application if their permits were not renewed within 30 days of their expiry was arbitrary and did not serve a legitimate government purpose. He also elaborated how the section has endangered the lives of those applying for refuge and their children since it gave room for deportation of those applicants without considering the merits and validity of their claims. Their children get affected too since their applications are linked to those of their parents. Further, the impugned provisions violate a number of constitutional rights. They violate the right to dignity by cutting asylum seekers off from essential services needed for a dignified life like banking, education and health care. They also expose asylum seekers and their children to a constant risk of arrest, detention and deportation in contravention of the rights to life and personal liberty. All this simply because a visa has not been renewed. The Scalabrini Center, a migrants' rights group, went to court to get this law struck down. In court, the organization argued that the section of the law could cause people with valid refugee claims to be returned to countries where they faced death, torture, sexual violence and other forms of persecution. It also argued that in many cases, failure to renew the permits was as a result of administrative failures of the refugee system, which led to backlogs and many days of queuing. Vusumuz Espanda, a human rights lawyer and director at the Diaspora Global Network, a human rights advocacy organization, says the Constitutional Court was spot on in endorsing the judgment already made by the Western Cape High Court. Extension in any event, you know, the asylum seeker must only be valid for six months. So that elongated delay where people keep on asylum seeker documents for up to 10, 20 years is unlawful to start with. And it is the one that causes people to default. Because nobody can live with the document that they have to renew every two months for the next five years. Ashraf Isop, an immigration law expert, has also applauded the judgment saying going forward it is clear how refugee applications will be treated. It's important that the asylum seeker be given any and all methods to actually reach the end of his case and he shouldn't in effect be automatically discarded or prevented from continuing with the process. The Department of Home Affairs did not oppose the invalidity application of the section in question and ESOP says it's back to the drawing board. 
Tuzo Kumalo with that report. It's time for showbiz, and the world of showbiz never disappoints. There's always something happening somewhere in the world, Josie, isn't it? That is right, Isaac. And to fill us in on some update is our own George Okach. Let's kick off with some cool Afrobeats news. A Nigerian singer, songwriter and record producer, Damini Ogulu, a.k.a. Banaboy, has been presented with an award in Germany. This recognition follows his solo performance where Banaboy showcased his latest songs, thrilling the audience. Previously, the artist performed at the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Berlin, Germany, also achieving a sold-out show. He became the first and the only African artist to accomplish this feat. Now to some fashion news. Ghana is hosting its annual Accra Fashion Week at the Kwame Nkrumah Muslim. Accra Fashion Week 2023 kicks off today, December the 13th, with an exclusive press night where the media, influencers and creatives meet the designers at Amber Gallery. For five days, African fashion creatives will be under one roof to share all things fashion, from dialogues at the African Fashion Summit to exciting runway shows. Now, talk about fashion and with some Hollywood gist. Nicholas Puech, the 80-year-old heir to the Hems fashion empire, is planning to adopt his 51-year-old former gardener, according to Fortune magazine. If the movie is successful, the gardener will inherit a substantial part of Puech's 11 billion US dollars fortune, a scenario that is attracting widespread attention for its rarity and potential implications. Unmarried and without direct heirs, Puech's decision to reshape the destiny of his considerable assets, constituting 6% of the Hems brand's approximately 220 billion US dollars value, breaks conventional norms. And now, tributes continue to pour in for South African musician Zahara who will be honored at the memorial service on Thursday, according to the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture. The singer, whose real name is Bulelua Mukutukana, was surrounded by her family and loved ones when she died on Monday at the age of 36, according to a statement posted on her Instagram profile. And finally, Netflix is getting a new Muddy movie and wedding bells are ringing. Previously released by the Lionsgate, Media made her big movie to Netflix in 2022 with the release of the Tyler Perry's A Media Homecoming, which made waves and was one of the most popular movies in the United States that year. Multiple sources suggest filming of the new comedy will begin in January 2024. The new movie will be filmed in Atlanta, Georgia, where most Perry's films and series are now being produced. And as Isaac will inform you, Atlanta is home to Talia Perry Studios. Now back to you guys in Studio A. Thanks a lot, George Okachi, yeah. for that narration. So tell us, you said you, sh- you should tell us something about yeah, the studios. Atlanta, the world of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> George is talking about the world of fashion. And yes, I'll talk about that maybe next time when we have enough time. Okay. Talking sports. 
Okay, it's time for some sports updates. Isaac, what's what's been happening? Can you give us a recap of yesterday's matches? Yes, uh, to begin with, of course, the, a recap, we shall talk about Champions League. Mm-hmm. The much anticipated game was between uh, the mighty German side, Bayern Munich, versus another former mighty team in the English Premier League, Manchester United. <laughs> there were lots of calculations mm. that at play. First of all, Manchester United was hosting the Bavarians, and mm-hmm. it had to win that game for it to have a chance of qualifying the next stage. Mm-hmm. And on condition that uh, Copenhagen FC draws with Turkish side Galatasaray. So mm-hmm. what happened? Bayern Munich beats Manchester United. Okay. And then to make <laughs> to make matters worse, <laughs> Copenhagen uh. beats Galatasaray. Uh-huh. Meaning that Manchester United out of the Champions now League. Now I see why you were saying the calculations for Manchester yes, United. it mattered. They were uh-huh. really complicated and complex. Oh Nothing happened. Mm. There was, it didn't beat Bayern Munich and the other two teams did draw. What's happening with Manchester though? A lot is happening. A lot is happening. So much blame on the goalkeeper, Cameroonian Onana. Mm-hmm. You know, he took blame in the first leg when they were beaten by Bayern Munich 4-3. Mm-hmm. He has been making some errors. But again, for me, it's, it's, it's all about the team. And if there's teamwork, the blame shouldn't go to one person. Yeah, and there have been also defensive errors, but because maybe some fans are not so happy with the pomp that came with Onana, mm-hmm. every blame they heaped on him. Anyway, Arsenal for it was able to draw and it's comfortably in the next in the next stage. But now Manchester United and the fans listening out there, they will settle for the Europa League. Okay, and what's happening today? Any updates? Yes, today today there's also another another clash between Borussia Dortmund and Paris Saint Germain on one side. Okay, and then Newcastle will. Take on uh, AC Milan. There are also <laughs> mathematics there because Newcastle and AC Milan, they, all, they both have five points, meaning that they're desperately wanting to win that game. Okay. And then Dortmund, which is comfortably on the top of the table with 10 points, uh, Paris Saint-Germain has seven points. It also has to beat PSG mm-hmm. to comfortably qualify. Mm. And uh, what are your predictions? Uh, before I go to the predictions, mm. uh, Paris Saint-Germain will also be wanting to win that game so that it also gets the 10 points mm-hmm. and assume that AC Milan and Newcastle what, draw. How many points do they have team. right now, PSG? Uh, PSG, they have seven points, just seven three points, points behind mm-hmm. Dortmund. Okay. But we shall we come back with a recap tomorrow again to tell you what I transpired. want predictions. So tomorrow I, I, I actually <laughs> catch you on that. Tell me predictions before we go quickly. Yes, soccer has its own way. It has its story. So anything can <laughs> You're <happen>. running away <laughs> from you. <laughs> yes. Anyway, on that very note, we have to love and leave you, but not forever. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Josie Mahachi. And I'm Isaac Mugabe. Until tomorrow, bye for now. Made for Minds.